With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's that time. Get ready. Sharp football in the house making Chetty. Let's go. I am very excited. Warren Sharp is here. We are looking like uh, True Detective. No, we're looking like CSI Charleston, South Carolina. He's got a blue steel jacket with a floral print shirt. I'm wearing what looks to be a salmon slash fuchsia crew neck sweater. And all we have, Salmon, is information and bombs. Uh, I love when you're in studio because I get to get a coffee with you. Um... We do this show, we record it Thursdays around like 11, 11.30. I find this to always be an interesting time because the markets move a lot at this time, it seems like. What is it about this time that there's always action? Well, you got the Wednesday injury reports, the first one that hits the market. So that comes like late in the day on Wednesday. Right. And then 8 a.m., Vegas time is 11 a.m. East Coast time. So right around this point in time, everybody's got the injury stuff that has come out. Right. Wednesday starts to process it. Limits rise a little bit on Thursday. So, oh, yeah, why does that happen? The closer they get to the game, the more they allow you to bet because the more confidence they have in their number. So mm. they hate taking action when they don't have a lot of confidence in their number. Right, because then they're in the dark and they're most likely going to have more information than the average better. And they and they know like people like me and yeah. others, like this is all we do is just right. research this. So there's no way that a bookmaker can have more information, better information than I do. That's why they make the limits really small early in the week. And as they get more confident and they see some of the sharp guys betting into some of those numbers, then they're like, okay, we'll adjust it now. Then we'll raise the limit. Makes sense. You know, the line's already adjusted and you can't hammer us that hard. They they are very professional at this. Yep. Uh, My watermelon head ass. Man, that was the best insult I've gotten in a long time. And the best response. Thanks, bro. Well, listen, man. Uh, What's really unfortunate is I went home and my fiance was laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? She goes, because you kind of got a watermelon head ass. And I was like, damn. But. I don't even know what that means, but. Neither do I. Uh, I went one and four last week, Warren. And to me, to be up 52 to, what was it? 52 to 12 or something like that in the second quarter. It was my first losing week. And um, I just realized that I started betting on some teams that I don't want to bet on the Titans games. Why am I betting on the Browns? I bet on the Washington football team. Mm -hmm. And you just, you look at it and you go, there are so many games out there. Why did I pick them? The only thing I'm happy about, I didn't bet against the Saints and my fears came true. Fourth week in a row. They're incredible. I mean, when good teams, good teams win, great teams cover and they're wild. It's, it's crazy. Uh, Yeah. I mean, their defense is so much better than what, I have forecasted. Yeah, um, they're they're really a force to be reckoned with on that side of the football. And you know, Teddy Bridgewater was not that great at all. He completes passes when they have to be completed. I still don't understand how a D coordinator can't just say, 
we're going to double Michael Thomas, take him away from Teddy. You beat us with all your other guys. We don't care. I mean, Kamara wasn't even there. But, you know, uh, Sean Payton's a really smart coach. And their defense is playing lights out. Good offensive coordinators can move around their weapons. Kyle did it with Julio when he was there. Sean does it with Michael Thomas. You find ways. Really good show today. We're going to get to the dumbest number that NFL head coaches believe. The dumbest rule that Warren hears about that makes us go crazy. We're going to talk about everybody has that analytic stat that you think, oh, this is the one that's indicative uh, indicative of games. We're going to talk a little bit about correlation versus causation. Uh, we're going to get back into EDSR because Warren, at the end of the show, I went back and looked, gave us four games where there was an EDSR advantage and all four of those teams won. It's war. I know I don't want to get too excited about stats. And I'm going to talk about how some of them are dumb, but that's one that we've shown works. And then we're going to dive into schedules. We're through six weeks now. Some teams are about to face an, an easier schedule than they're used to. Some are going to face a harder schedule. It's good for fantasy. It's good for this week. A lot of information. And then we're going to jump into Super Contest and the games of the week. But you talk to coaches, you work with teams, uh, you've also worked as an advisor, and you've heard other people on other shows, and there's this rule. Is it the rule of 51? Is it 53? Explain to people, because I hadn't really heard it until you said it last night. It's kind of evolved um, over the years. I want to say that Bill Parcells is the first one who came up with it, um, and he said, if you play a game in which you can record at least 51 rushing attempts plus completions, you're going to win the game. So if our goal is to get 51 plus rushing attempts and completions, and we feel like we're in good shape to win this game. And And you hear people say this to you. there, There are still people, there are a lot of people, I would venture to say, 60% 60% of the league, that's just a total guess on my yeah. part, but 60% of the league either is aware of this rule, believes in this rule, mm. whether they speak outwardly about it or not, or has been influenced by this rule via somebody who was above them that they, they tutored underneath, sure. of, you know, and they learned from that person, well, whether look, it's Bill, a family member or a coach that they Bill respected. Parcells is one of these like coaching philosophy Mount Rushmore guys where there, there, there's the Bill Parcells rule about what quarterbacks to take in the draft and what you're looking for. There's the Bill Parcells about draft value. There's all this stuff. So this rule of 51 or 53, um, I, what did Pete Carroll come out and say some stuff about this too? A lot of, uh, yeah. If, uh, Brian Schottenheimer said something about it, but then I did some research and Pete Carroll was talking about it before even then. And he was saying that uh, Tom Cable was his statistical Stop. guru. Stop. 100% quote. <laughs> Tom Cable is my statistical guru uh, when it comes to this. And he said, he, he said, quote, he's a brilliant statistician. Yeah, brilliant statistician. I don't know if Tom Cable has ever been called that in his entire life. I, I have never heard Tom Cable being referred to as a brilliant statistician, but um, that's exactly what Pete Carroll came out and said, and they used it there. That was before Brian Schottenheimer even came there. Yes. Um, I've heard other coaches use it as well. Um, Brian Schottenheimer's talked about 53 being okay. the rule of 53. And you think this is bullshit? It is bullshit. 
Like, so this is a big thing in terms of correlation versus causation, which is one thing that uh, Warren and most people that are intelligent and understand statistics and, and odds will talk about, which is there are certain things that just because that happened when you won does not mean that's the reason that you won. Ingber, uh, who's really good with all this stuff, gave me a great example. If I moved to New York in 2007 and then in 2008 the stock market crashed, is that correlation or causation? Did the stock market crash because I got here in 2007? No, that's not what it is. And that's what you're saying is there's a number of games where, yes, I guess if you had the lead and then you ran a lot to like ice the game, okay, like it might, it might tend to go that way. But that's not the reason you won. It's like when you see the statistic, when they run Ezekiel Elliott 20 times in a game, they win. Then just run him 20 times to start the game. It's, that's not how it works. But the scary thing is when you tell me that you believe that many coaches still believe that. From yeah. your talkings to them. Yeah, well, it's it's pretty crazy, um, and you're 100% correct. It is all about correlation versus causation. Um, in, in today's football, you do not win games simply by having rushing attempts. When you are leading, you can run the ball more. Actually, we just uh, – Jerry Jones just came out and talked about this the other day. And it was the game against the Jets. Yes. Where maybe it was Stephen Jones. One of the Joneses said, I can't believe that we didn't win this game because usually when Ezekiel Elliott has 30 carries, we win. Something along those lines. Mm. And I said, you know what that shows me? That shows me that he doesn't know why they win. He just knows that when they win, mm. Ezekiel Elliott gets a lot of rushing attempts, right? So when they win, when they're winning on the scoreboard, they're able to call more run plays. Why? Because they don't need to start scoring a lot of points. They can work the clock in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. Right. I mean, I've heard like even th- this is just goes to a lot of statistics where we put too much on it. I've heard defensive coaches still care about total yards allowed. Like that's a statistic that's like passed around facilities. And that doesn't seem like a statistic that's representative of how the game's actually going. It, 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 it shows you what happened at the end. It doesn't mean that's, that's how good your defense is. No, I, I don't like looking at any of the total statistics, you know, any of the things that you can count, like counting statistics, like, okay, here's five yards. Here's another five yards. Oh, so that's 10 yards. Now here's another, five. oh, 15 yards. You know, any of those counting statistics where you're just like counting them up and getting to a certain number. Right. Th- those aren't efficiency based statistics. That's just volume based. Oh, you had a 20 yard run here on, on third and 30, you know, so that's going to inflate mm. your rushing totals. So you don't like total yards allowed. You don't like total yards per game. You don't like, you definitely don't like total rushing attempts. It sounds like. No, I mean, I'm aware, I'm aware of what they are. And, and obviously from a fantasy perspective, we're not talking about fantasy, right? I'm talking right now with the 33% about real football, right? When you're in fantasy, you care about how many targets is this guy going to get? How many rushing attempts is this guy going to get based on game flow? And he'll be in the lead in the fourth quarter. So he'll be able to run the football more, right? You care about that for fantasy football, but for real life football and X's and O's and trying to build a lead. Like when I'm working with teams, the whole goal of what I do and my involvement is to try to help this team win a game. And the way, the way in which I try to help them win a game is by building a lead as quickly as possible mm. because we know that teams who lead at halftime are far more likely to win games. What's that percentage? It's like 80, 75 to 80%. Wow. Of the time that you are leading in halftime, will you win a game? 
So your your whole thing really is let's jump on this other team. Let's control the game flow. Let's take a lead in the halftime. Now, there are other statistics that you do like that are not counting statistics. You like a yards per play. You, you know that you've proprietized early down success rate, which is, I think, early down success rate mirrors jumping ahead uh, in a game as well. Um, and then also, like, EPA. I'm over at ESPN, and, and Mina Kimes and Dominique Foxworth are talking about EPA, expected points added. Am I, I feel like this is like the it statistic right now that people, it's kind of like what they do in the NBA, or they do this with like war, wins above replacement. I feel like that's what they're trying to make this statistic for the NFL. Are you seeing this too, or am I just sensitive to it? No, uh, it is a fact. You know, uh, more people are looking at EPA. More people are analyzing games through the use and through the lens yeah. of EPA. So, break. The, what is EPA? Okay, so expected points added per on a per play basis. Does the from the line of scrimmage where you currently are at. And the play that you call the resulting yardage that you gain, right. and then you're now at a new line of scrimmage, how many expected points did the play that you called add to your likelihood of gotcha. scoring? Right? So it's all so, really about like explosion and big plays then. Well, not not necessarily. Okay. Like you could have, let's say you're on second and five and you have a eight yard gain and you move from like the 40 yard line to the 48 yard line. Right. Right. What EPA looks at is, okay, what were your expected points for this drive? If you're on a second and five at the 40 yard line, and and now you're on first and 10 at the 48, how many more points are you expected to score on this drive now? So when you look at that, what is it good at calculating and what is it bad at calculating? Because this is what I've learned from you. Every statistic has a benefit and every statistic has a flaw. Yeah. And it's about finding the blend. And that's why when when you talk about your models, that's why you guys protect that shit so much. Because you figured out that you found these blends that figure out all the strengths. So what's the weakness of EPA? Well, the weakness of EPA is that um, it lives inside the computer verse, so to speak. And so it doesn't account for um, edges that some teams need to get to stay on schedule. Okay. So for example, that's a, that's a convoluted way to yeah, say, I'm excited to it's a convoluted way up. to say, give you, let me give you a specific example. I had a uh, actual coach okay. talk to me the other day about why is my EPA not quite as high? And so we went through some of the, you know, numbers and that sort of thing. And one of the things that they were doing a little bit of is, you know, we were looking at, well, their EPA isn't as high because when they throw to running backs, it's not as well regarded. And he's like, well, why why is that? And I said, well, because what EPA is looking at is it wants to gain those yards down the field. So it's looking at it and saying, well, you should throw to a wide receiver because Mm. a wide receiver is going to gain more yards per attempt than a running back is. Right. So like a Bruce Arians offense might actually be a high EPA because it's always deep shots to wide receivers. Exactly. So uh, you obviously have to have a certain floor for completion course, percentage, but exactly right. So the, but the difference is like the drawback is that what I know from watching football and what this coach knows from calling plays yeah. is that passes to running backs are very efficient. Oh, because that's, that's they, your big thing, Warren. They work, running backs and tight ends across the middle and exactly. early downs. And they work like a virtual handoff, like a pitch play, right. except you don't have the drawbacks of the pitch play because with the pitch play, you generally have uh, 
nowadays for loss, negative percentage yardage. for loss. And you have faster linebackers and DBs that are D linemen that can get up the field quicker. Right now you draw the pass rush in and you throw the football to the running back. And you're less reliant on offensive line play, which we've seen over the last few years. Isn't that great for the majority of the league? Right. So okay. there's a there's what uh, so passing EPA to running backs does not account well for passes to running backs. No. And what does is success rate because success rates looking at um, based on the down and the distance to go. How uh, did you achieve that threshold? And so on a first and 10, if you get 40% of the yards to go, some people use 50% of the yards to go. So do you get four yards or do you get five yards? If you do, then that plays successful. So it's a binomial yeah. thing. It's either successful or unsuccessful. Can I ask you a question that we didn't prepare for at all? Yeah. This season of you working with coaches, do you feel as though they're more receptive to your information or that some of them get a little defensive? Where are you right now with that? No, I think they're very receptive. Is it the most receptive it's ever been for you? Yeah. How does that feel, bro? Um, I mean, it's 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 humbling, but at the same time, like I know that I'm putting in the hard work of to uncover this stuff. Yeah. And I know that they're valuing it. And um, when I see it actually on the field and some of the things that I'm suggesting right. actually end up happening, uh, that's that's so much more. I mean, that's better. To, that's the best feeling for me. Do you, think, do, you, do you really think there are teams that, like, if you put out a tweet about, like, the 11 personnel usage of the Browns, do you think that it gets back to those facilities at this point? Do we think we're at that stage? There, are, I don't know specifically about the Browns. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, any team. Yes, there's a lot of people that um, follow me on Twitter that have responded to me. Even some, some coaches. You probably are, get some weird DMs, man. Yeah. No, no, not, not okay. too many, not too many. Um, the, but they are they, like they're aware of it, and like some some guys will text me. Some guys from teams will text me. Yeah, and say, "Hey, I read that article on your site. I wanted to talk to you about it, or this or that." I fucking love that shit. So you you told us or two weeks ago, I think it was with early down success rate. It might have been last week actually, about how the two statistics that correlate, not causate, the most with wins was it turnovers. And EDSR. Turnovers was 81% and EDSR was 80%, right? Right. Um, and EDSR is early down success rate, which is in terms of it's if it's first and 10 and you gain six, that's a successful play on first down, the early downs. And it's it's not about can you be successful on third downs, it's can you avoid third downs completely. That's like how I summarize EDSR. Is that a clean way of doing it? Very clean. Okay. Last week, you said... The biggest EDSR advantages was Baltimore over Cincinnati, Minnesota over Philadelphia, Washington over Miami, Pittsburgh over LA. What's interesting there, even that Pittsburgh one, which was an underdog, all four of them, 4-0 straight up with the advantages. We got done our phone call. I looked it up and I threw this in the dock and I said, Warren, I'm going to need to know your biggest EDSR matchups this week because we got to keep this going. Uh, where do you want to start first in terms of the, uh, the EDSR advantages this week? Well, unfortunately, this week we've got a number of uh Favorites, a couple big favorites, and I'll just sure. work down the list, the teams yeah. that have the biggest edges. So the Buffalo Bills have the biggest edge from an EDSR perspective this week, and that's Makes not sense. surprising, yeah. right? Yeah, 17-point favorites over Miami. Exactly. And so the Buffalo Bills have the number one, sorry, number three defense, the number four offense. The Miami Dolphins have the number 29 defense and the number 31 mm -hmm. off offense but based upon EDSR. Massive edge for the Buffalo Bills here. Sure. A uh, little bit of trend stuff for you. 
The Dolphins this season, 0-3 against the spread as a huge underdog. They didn't cover against the Patriots as 18-point dogs. They didn't cover to the Cowboys as 22-point dogs. They didn't cover the Chargers. So over the past five years, NFL teams are 21-11 and against the spread when favored by two or more touchdowns. That's surprising to me, that they're that much of a successful favorite. So, And it's in Buffalo, but... It's a big spread, 17. It's a real big spread. It's not something that I'm accustomed no. to laying at any point. No. is a number like that. I'm not touching it, personally. Uh, okay, next matchup, the second most drastic EDSR advantage. Yeah, and this one also probably shouldn't be surprising. This is a road favorite of close to double digits, 9.5 to 10. San Francisco 49ers over the Washington Redskins. Absolutely. San Francisco just has a massive edge on both sides of the ball, and we know what the Washington Redskins are. The interesting issue with the Washington Redskins um, is I think that their EDSR could be changing pretty soon. Uh, I think it could be changing for the worse, unfortunately, on offense. And the reason is because of the coaching change that they made. And with the coaching Mm. change that they made came about the fact that they completely jacked up their run rate on early downs in the first half. They went 70% run on early downs in the first half against the Miami Dolphins. I know a lot of the Redskins fans are happy that they got a victory. Pound Adrian Peterson, We 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 love it, man. Establish the run. Callahan was right. We just got to run the ball, give it to our best guy, Adrian Peterson behind well, They were playing Miami, so it's like not even a fair... You're playing the Miami Dolphins, yeah. and guess what? All that running, 70% on early downs in the first half, guess what it got you? A 7-3 to three lead at halftime. Mm. Whoop-de-doo. Over the team that doesn't even want to win games, know, the Miami Warren, Dolphins. I bet on Washington they didn't cover. Right, so... And now they're going up against San Francisco with maybe the best defensive line in the NFL that's just swallowing running backs. So... Fast forward to the second half. And Chris Thompson has a toe injury. Is he? Did he practice Wednesday? I think, no? I think he was either limited or didn't practice. So they actually continued in the second half with a 70% early down run rate. Wow. And they almost lost the game, yes, right? They, they almost, Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick almost converted a two-point conversion to beat them. So all the fans and, 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 and you know, the media, I think a lot of the media, their eyes are open. They're woke to yeah. this rushing is not the way to win games. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see the reason why I said things might start to get worse for the early down success rate is because of the simple fact right. that when you're running the ball so much, especially against a good run defense like the 49ers, you are not going to be bypassing very many third downs. 49ers defense right now allowing 3.98 yards per carry, one of the best ratios in the league. Washington, by the way, in their last five games as a home underdog, 0-5 straight up, 0-5 against the spread. And guess what? It's also a Kyle Shanahan revenge game. And uh, Kyle loves revenge. Did you hear his quotes? Oh, yeah. What was your favorite part about working in Washington? Working with my dad. What was your least favorite part? Everything else. Yeah. So accurate. (laughs) I mean... Intelligent people do not enjoy working at places that aren't good environments for intelligent people. And when Daniel Snyder comes out and says, I'm not firing Bruce Allen, when Jay Glazer comes out and says, that's Daniel Snyder's beer and wings, buddy. Let me just tell you something. Washington is a team to fade for like the rest of time. I have my under six ticket. 
before the season. Do you have yours? Six and a half. Oh, oh excuse me. Sorry. Mr. Value Warren Sharp. Uh, okay, so then uh, Buffalo is a drastic EDS, mm-hmm. EDSR advantage. San Francisco is. What's your third most drastic EDSR advantage? Okay, the third one on the docket, this one is actually a closer game, so okay. that'll be nice. It's actually an underdog. It's the New Orleans Saints. Interesting. So the New Orleans Saints, surprisingly enough, because we've talked about how Chicago's defense has been so good, right? Uh, for years, yeah. Chicago's defense has been incredible. But in actuality, based upon EDSR, Chicago's defense right now only ranks 23rd in the league. And let me add on the fact that Akeem Hicks just went onto the IR. I want to give a shout out to, I think Evan Silva had it in one of his matchup columns in terms of Buster screen has been a huge liability for this pass defense right now. And Fuller's having somewhat of a down season. So that kind of backs that up. But what else are you seeing with this EDSR? Because I, th- I thought Chicago's defense was still playing well other than the Raiders game. Well, on early downs, they're not. And that's wow. the issue. Um, they're not forcing as many teams into those third downs. Last season, they were forcing teams left and right into third downs. And what happens when you force a team into third downs is a lot of times they don't convert, then they're punting the ball back to you. If you're, if you're there bypassing third downs, you're not going to get those punts. Right. So that's a big deal. And, of course, their offense has struggled tremendously. They rank 30th offensively right now. Will Mitchell Trubisky be back at quarterback this week? Hopefully for the Bears, he will. But, I mean, he's definitely a little bit of an upgrade over the current situation, but we know he also was struggling. And it's the the Saints defense. Like, we just talked about how good they've been playing. Yeah, so the Saints right now, they rank as the number five defense based upon EDSR. Wow. And the number 22 offense, of course, their offense isn't going to be as high because of Teddy Bridgewater's uh, influence there, which we wish that they were a little bit more efficient, but that would take him to be a little bit more accurate. But, you know, the surprising thing is that they are sixth defensively in just pure unscheduled adjusted EDSR. But when you factor in the offenses they face, they move up to fifth. So very strong um, defensive effort by the New Orleans Saints. I think the other loss that not a lot of people focused on earlier this week was the Bears putting Kyle Long on IR. I mean, do not underestimate good offensive and defensive linemen in this league. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs with and without Chris Jones. It's a different team. One little nugget about this game. Uh, both teams are very good in the trends. The Bears at home in their last 25 home games, 18-6-1 against the spread. But the Saints in their last 20 games in October are 19-1 and straight up and against the spread. My only note there. That's kind of when Drew Brees starts clicking and we're dealing with Teddy Bridgewater, not Drew Brees. It's still a wild statistic. Yeah. Like that kind of record in one month. I don't know. That's when they always click. So, okay, that's an interesting one. And it's close. And I think the line, the over-unders at 38, it's going to be tough to score, especially if Alvin Kamara has a high ankle sprain and it's Mitchell Trubisky against the Saints defense. Under looks sweet. I know it's a low number already, but maybe you go first half under. I don't know what that is. Yeah, there's a... First half, I think that there are a couple of 20s there. They're tough to get, though. Yeah, like, shit, I get, tw- I get 20s on 42, not 38. That's crazy. Okay, so the last one for the EDSR, you've already given us a, an upset one in New Orleans. Uh, what's the last one? Last one is the Giants versus the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I know the Arizona Cardinals offense has been clicking a little bit better the last couple of weeks. Who, right? has, who has the advantage here? The Giants Okay. Do. The Giants have the advantage. Actually, and this is, we talked about it on your show either last week or the week before, but the Giants are number eight 
offensively in EDSR. Wow. I mean, it's like this, the shock of the century that the Giants would be number eight, but they, they are, um, they are, they've played some very good defenses against EDSR. And so they're, their they, adjusted rate is that much better. Their adjusted rate is that much better. And then defensively, the Giants rank um, 17th. The, Atlanta, uh, sorry, the Arizona Cardinals, 29th offense and the 23rd defense. So there's wow. a nice edge. The Giants are laying three points at home, um, and they have a, a, the fourth highest EDSR edge of any team this weekend. So this is one of those matchups where you look at the weapons on the Giants and you go, Daniel Jones might have a little bit more time. I mean, he just played the Patriots before that. Uh, he was against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he's had to play some tough defenses lately. He didn't look good against Washington either. This seems like the first defense where we've seen a lot of teams face Arizona. Now, Patrick Peterson is back. Yeah. Can one guy change that much, or is that kind of overstating it? I don't think it's overstating it. It definitely is a factor. I mean, when you take a one of their best defensive players and he's not there for weeks because of suspension and now he's back. It is definitely a factor. Okay. Uh, I have one question for you. The Cardinals run game has been pretty phenomenal thus far this year. And the giants in the last five games are allowing 4.81 yards per carry. Is this a game where you think both offenses could have success? Yeah, there's a good chance. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals have played a couple terrible defenses. Like that's the big difference in this game. Look at the last two weeks. Mm. The Arizona Cardinals have played the Cincinnati Bengals defense and the Atlanta Falcons defense. Two of like the worst defenses in the NFL based upon past defensive efficiency. Right. Those teams rank 30th and 31st. Meanwhile, the New York Giants have played the New England Patriots and the Minnesota Vikings. Both of those teams are top 10 past defenses. So Arizona's off of, sorry, the Giants are off of two very difficult defenses. Now they get a super easy one in Arizona, whereas the Arizona Cardinals have looked a lot better the Absolutely. last couple of weeks, and that's come against crappy defenses. Unfortunately for the Giants, they are also a crappy defense, <laughs> so things might continue to roll for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. Um, it does look positive for both of these teams from a ability to produce against the opponent, and you look at the Giants, they're getting back Saquon Barkley, Saquon, they're getting Ingram. back Evan Ingram. So they've got some weapons there that they're that should be healthy for this game that they didn't have before. Arizona has allowed monster games this year to tight ends. Monster. All I got to do is say TJ Hawkinson. Remember week one? Yeah, it's been like that every week. Go look at all the tight ends. And now you get Evan Ingram. It that that's a that's like a daily fantasy one that I've circled uh, a lot. Yeah. Daniel Jones is also one of those probably underrated plays that he might be able to rack up some points and no one's even thinking about it. What you brought up though in terms of schedules is what we're going to get into right now. Uh, we believe very strongly in strength of schedule. I'm hearing people bringing it up when they talk about is New England that good? Who have they played? Are the Niners that good? Who have they played? But I think it's important to look towards the future. And also this week, so that we can give some people a little bit of fantasy advice, maybe invest in, in a buy low for a team that's going to face softer running defenses than they had. I think it's going to be some interesting gambling stuff also, but I think schedule's interesting. So let's go passing offenses that get easier for the rest of the season compared to what they faced already. What's the most drastic change for a team in the NFL? This guy right here. Ooh. The mustache. Gardner Minshew. 
Okay. Gardner Minshew uh, is for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have actually played the number one most difficult schedule of past defenses to date. Really? If you rattle them off, I mean, they face the Saints, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Titans, the Texans, and the Chiefs, who actually have a good pass defense, right. terrible against the run, good pass defense. Every single opponent that I just mentioned, top 14 in pass defense. This week, they get to face one of the easiest pass defenses in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah. who rank 30th. But moving forward, they face the number one easiest schedule of pass defenses the rest of the year. So You're this- telling me that Gardner, in the first six weeks, faced the number one most difficult pass defense schedule. And then from here on out, he faces the number one easiest pass defensive schedule. Right. Of all- and DJ Chark is still like leading the NFL in, in expected air yards. Wow. Yeah. So the Chargers offense might go through a little passing boom right now. The Jaguars, yeah. The Jaguars vi- very much Chargers. Sorry. That's okay. The Jaguars, I mean, this week against the Bengals, a perfect time to have a nice explosion. And then after that, you know, they do play play the Texans again. They do have to play the Titans again. But they've got a lot of pass defenses that are are workable that they are going to be able to see better production. Week 16. Atlanta Falcons, dial it up. It's going to be great. Okay, how about the passing offense that's going to get a lot harder the rest of the way? Maybe it's been easier the first six weeks, and maybe we've inflated a little bit too much, and it's about to come back down to earth. Yeah, this one's interesting because it's the Baltimore Ravens. And I've been a big fan of Lamar Jackson, but the truth is that he's faced only two pass defenses that rank above 18th over the first six weeks of the season. And only three, he's faced three that rank bottom five. Wow. The rest of the year, they face seven pass defenses that rank above 18th. He only played two previously. Now he's got to face seven, and he gets only one defense, pass defense that ranks bottom 10. He mm. played three that ranked bottom five. You're right. So Dolphins, far. Cardinals, Bengals. He's had a few cakewalks, and I forgot he's got New England coming up. He's got San Francisco coming up. He's got Buffalo Buffalo, coming up. Pittsburgh, the Texans. Man. So when you see that, do you kind of go, I'm going to lower my expectation? Like all this, like, oh, Lamar's in the MVP conversation. You're like, kind of slow your roll. It could get bumpy really quick. Absolutely. Not enough people out there. That's why we're sharing this with the 33%. Not enough people out there factor in-season schedule, strength of schedule into their projections into their betting into their understanding of things even if it's like betting on futures like you're saying with mvp odds passing leader odds in season betting definitely you need to be factoring in strength of schedule and by the way all these things that we're sharing this is not some proprietary thing that's like i'm hiding and i'm only sharing with the 33 percent. although we love to give these guys a little bit of nuggets this is all up on sharpfootballstats.com. It's free for everybody to yes. go check out. Yeah, you just go to like strength, you just go to like defense, strength of schedule, and then you go to the bottom and you can organize it. You can compare all the week. I do it all the time. It's phenomenal. Is there a team that it's getting a lot harder for them just this week where like it, it what they've played the first 6 weeks compared to this week it's going to get a lot harder this week? Yeah, uh, definitely. The Washington Redskins. Ah, gotcha. The Washington Redskins, we just talked about them. They've played the 11th easiest pass defenses year to date, the 11th easiest Mm. schedule of pass defenses. Now they face the number one in the San Francisco 49ers. So 100%, without a shadow of a doubt, that team is definitely going to be. Luckily, though, Bill Callahan's not going to run the ball. So, I mean, not going to pass the ball. So it doesn't even matter. Okay, how about uh, this is going to be a little bit more fantasy stuff. Is there a team that's faced a tough amount of run? 
run defenses the first six weeks. And now it's going to get a lot easier for that offensive line and running backs going forward the rest of the year. Yes, the uh, rushing offense that has faced the most difficult schedule so far has been the Minnesota Vikings, which a lot of people are going to be shocked about because the Vikings have actually been pretty good. They rank right now ninth in efficiency, number one in rushing explosiveness, despite playing the number one toughest schedule of explosive run defenses. They have faced four run defenses this year that rank top eight in the NFL. They faced only one, the rest of the season, they will face only one top eight run defense all from from week seven onward. They play so you're four telling of them me Dalvin the Cook is going to go more off than he already is. Absolutely. Holy yes. crap, Warren. Last week, they played the number two Philadelphia Eagles. Before that, they played the Giants, who are decent against the run 13th. They played three top 10 run defenses over the first four weeks of the season. The Falcons, the uh, Raiders, Raiders and the Bears. Yeah. They don't they don't play the Bears until week 17, which for if you're playing fantasy football, that's out the window doesn't matter. And the rest of the schedule, they're playing all teams that rank 14th or worse. Most of them are below average. They're 17th or worse. There's only play one team that's top 14. That's the Denver Broncos week uh, 11. All right. So uh, Dalvin Cook, 2000 yards. You're here to hear first. It's going to happen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, What about this week? Who's faced the tough run defenses for the, the whole year? And then this week it gets easier. Um, this week it's going to get easier for the Buffalo Bills. They've okay. played the fourth toughest schedule of run defenses year to date. And they're getting Devin Singletary And now Singletary they play. Back. Devin Singletary could explode against the number 30 ranked Miami Dolphins. Okay. And that you know what's interesting is uh, I'm seeing a lot of the teams popping up from your EDSR. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that I'm sure. Correlation. Is, that's pretty awesome. That, is that correlation? <laughs> yeah. In Causation? This case, in this case. I'm going to get a t-shirt that just says... I'm correlation, your causation. Back the fuck off. Okay, um, now let's go to the uh, defensive side of the ball when it comes to running. What defenses have faced um, a running offense that's been maybe easy all year and it's about to get harder the rest of the way? This one is also surprising because... Oh, no, this is rushing offenses, right? Let's do rushing. Sorry, 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 sorry. So these are rushing offenses where it's been hard all year, and it's... No, no. What am I doing wrong here? Let's share the rushing offenses. (laughs) Let's share the rushing offenses that will get harder for the rest of the season, but has not been too bad year to date. Gotcha. So Dalvin Cook, it was hard, and now it's getting easy. The running offenses where it's been easy, and now it's going to get hard. Absolutely. Thank you for solving my brain. The Detroit Lions, oh, no, surprisingly Johnson. enough, because the Detroit Lions actually haven't been that great running the football. They did well against the Green Bay Packers, but a lot of teams are doing well against the Green Bay Packers. Their run offense actually so far this season ranks fifth worst despite playing the fourth easiest schedule of oh, run no. defenses. They rank the fifth worst, 28th in the league. They like to run the ball a fair amount, right? The Detroit Lions want to be this run-based offense, but they rank 28th despite playing the fourth easiest schedule. They're about to face the second toughest schedule of run defenses over the course of the wow. rest of the year. Um, they faced four run defenses that rank bottom 11 in their first five games that yeah. they played. Only one run defense ranked top 20. The You're rest right. of the they season... Played the Cardinals, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Packers, and now they're about to go Bears twice, Vikings twice. 
Yeah, it's going to get rough. It's going to get real rough. They also play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the best run defense in the league. They play them later this season. Is this a situation where you look at people when we're talking about like wild card uh, possibilities and stuff? Is it this? Is this drastic enough of a change where you go, I'm worried about the Lions being able to compete consistently offensively because of a change like this? Yes, Damn. absolutely. I think that they're going to be in for a world of difference because so much of their offense and their philosophy is built upon the run game. Now, I love some of the other things that they've been doing. Yes. The things that they've been doing that I really like has been this deep passing on first down. We saw the flea Darryl flicker to Bevel start the game. Darryl Bevel a flea flicker. I was like, put amazing. that in my veins. Right. It was amazing. They're throwing the ball down the field. Matthew Stafford is completing a lot more passes past the sticks. He's Galladay pushing it balling. down the field. Yeah. So all of that will still be beneficial to them. They actually may need to adjust their philosophy and rely a bit more on that. But the fact of the matter is, this is definitely a team that's going to be in for a big shock as it relates to their ability to run the football and do the types of things that they want to do, and especially what they've been successful doing so far this season. They've run the ball a lot so far this season against bad run defenses. Now they're going to be in facing a lot of good run defenses. And this week they face the Vikings. The Vikings defense right now ranks top 10 in sacks and top seven in quarterback hits. So we're going to see how Matt Stafford can do under a lot more pressure because we talked a lot about the phantom calls of the refs in that Lions-Packers game. But you can also talk about this. Preston and Zadarius Smith were all over Matt Stafford in the second half of that game. All over it. And we can talk about how great of signings have been at the same point. That Lions offensive line maybe hasn't faced the toughest defenses yet. It's going to get a little bit interesting. Okay. Now we can focus on defenses, which is where my brain was going last time. And we're going to do this as a whole, not just running and passing, but the defenses as a whole. Defenses that have faced very tough offenses for the first six weeks. And maybe this defense is going to get a lot better from week seven on. Who jumped out right away for you for strength of schedule? The Miami Dolphins have faced the fifth toughest schedule of offenses so far this year. The second part of your question, though, I don't necessarily agree with. (laughs) I I don't know that they're going to get a lot better, but they probably are going to help their offense a bit more. Um, They're still going to struggle. Is there any chance that they're facing the toughest offenses because every offense that plays them has a lot of success? There is a little bit of that that like factors into the numbers at the beginning of the year when the sample size is smaller. So they've right. only played a handful of games. Uh, those offenses have had success, so those offenses tend to do better. But obviously this metric you know, factors in all the other games that those teams are playing right, right, in right, addition. Right. But certainly the Miami Dolphins will face a little bit easier schedule. They do face the number one easiest schedule of offenses the rest of the year. Interesting. So their defense could look a little bit better, but right. like let's 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 you know, not get to me, to me that makes a little me, bit to me that makes me think, and I don't know if it's Buffalo this week because again, I'm not touching that. It's sort of figuring out the weeks where that line gets so inflated because they're winless and they're the Miami Dolphins to where you go, oh, this isn't an offense that they're, this is a much easier offense they're used to facing. Maybe I'll jump on that. I just don't want to bet on the Dolphins. Okay, what about this week alone? A defense that's faced really tough offenses all year and now face an easier offense this week. 
Well, the New Orleans Saints. Oh, back to the EDSR back Saints. Back to the EDSR Saints. They've played the second toughest schedule of offenses so far this year. A lot of people don't realize that the Seahawks have one of the best offenses in the NFL, but they do. They've played them. they played the Texans. they played the Cowboys. they played the Rams. they played the Bucks, And the Jags are surprisingly better than average offense despite playing a pretty difficult schedule. Now they get the Chicago Bears a struggling Chicago Bears offense Mm. that might be going back to Mitchell Trubisky. That hopefully is a smooth transition for them, but it's a bumpy road in Chicago when Mitchell Trubisky is your quarterback. Who the hell knows how he's going to play? Matt Nagy has to micromanage him. He sometimes calls a ton of runs. Sometimes he goes, you know what? I want Tariq Cohen to get 10 touches today. Like There's no rhyme or reason to this offense. Saints defense is great. Okay. They got a good opportunity this week to work towards that under that you were suggesting. I love unders. I love them. I love unders because I don't watch the games, but I'll bet unders. I'll watch games that I think are overs, but I don't watch games I you, think you are You hate unders. sweating points. You want see unders is a pessimistic. You it have is. to take a pessimistic approach to the game. Like you have to hope that everybody screws up, but only doing so in the offensive side of the field because you can't have turnovers on right. the, close to your end zone. So you have to basically root against anything that's good yes. that like all the fantasy players are rooting for. You basically have to like go against if you're sitting at a bar and everybody's rooting for their fantasy right. guy, you have to like root against every single one of those guys. Like think like the Lions Eagles first half under when there was a kick return for a touchdown and the worst part it was it was an early part of a one o'clock game so that was the highlight that they kept breaking into yeah it was it was like one of the first it was in the first quarter of the game so it's like second or third it's like all right let's go to carissa thompson with a fox news break oh craziness in philadelphia jamal agnew takes a kick return for a touchdown and i'm seeing it on every television yeah and i'm like Motherfucker, my under is fucked already because of that. And that's the worst part about watching an under is any success is death. But the actuality is that you have the same type of uh, psychological effect when you're rooting for an over and there's no points being scored. But the difference is like the over in the Niners Rams game. Right. And Jimmy G throws a pick in the end zone and then the Rams go for fourth and goal and they don't get it. And you go, that's 14 points that I'm never going to get right there. Never going to get back. And it's probably going to be the difference. Ravens Ravens Cardinals. The amount of times that the Cardinals kick field goals inside the five. You're like this like I, I can absorb one of these. I, I use it like absorb. Like I can absorb one of these, maybe two. I'm not gonna. It's it's not gonna work unless this happens. You know, unless I get this. So, uh, yeah, it it does work. Yeah. psychologically the same manner, but our brains are hardwired to think more optimistically about the games, which is why more people find it difficult to root for unders, which is why the public tends to bet overs. Now, it's not to say I don't play overs or unders. I play everything, whatever the the model suggests, I'm going to play it. Sure. Um, But definitely a lot of the public who does not have a model finds it a lot easier to bet overs thinking optimistically. I want to just end this on a positive note. But then also when Tom Brady throws an interception to Micah Hyde and I hit my under first half in the end zone, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful beautiful thing. thing. That was a great under. Okay, so uh, let's go. uh, We'll finish it up with strength of schedule with uh, defenses that maybe have had it easy for the first six weeks, and it's about to get a lot harder in terms of the offenses they're facing. What's the biggest drastic change for the rest of the year? Well, unfortunately, the biggest one uh, is the New England Patriots. 
Uh, the New England sense. Patriots have played far and away the easiest schedule year to date in the NFL of opposing offenses. And we knew that going into the season. We knew their schedule is going to be pretty much of a cakewalk. Uh, they haven't faced a single team outside the bottom 10 in offensive efficiency. Oh, man. They've played the Miami Dolphins, the Jets without Sam Darnold. They'll play the Jets with yeah. Sam Darnold this week, uh, which will probably maybe hint there could be a little bit of value there. Um, the Redskins, the Giants, the Steelers, and the Bills. Now they get now they have to face a league average schedule. So league average is not. I mean, they still have such a good defense that they could dispatch with a league average schedule. Although they do have games against top ten offenses of the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Baltimore Ravens upcoming. Interesting. All right, how about just this week? Who's it getting the the most difficult for this week? Philadelphia Eagles, unfortunately, your team. Oh, no. Uh, they've played the ninth easiest schedule of opposing defenses so far this year. And now they the have offenses, to face. you mean. Of opposing offenses, you're right. Yep. Now they have to face the Dallas Cowboys, who have a, a good offense. You know, it's fallen on tough times Yeah, that's lately. an interesting one. So that's where, like, this is looking at year-to-date overall rankings. Right, right, right. So but it's the last in. few weeks have not been that good for the Dallas Cowboys offense. And now, if you look at this particular matchup, which yeah. we're going to break down momentarily, yeah. two tackles may be out. Number one wide receiver, Amari Cooper, may be out. Yes. That's going to change how good this offense is, and it you, will help the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Good producing. You are right. We're going to spend more time on that in a second. But let me get back to the point you just made about Sam Dart and the Patriots, because I don't think we're going to touch on this game again. Okay. Uh, because the Patriots have played such an easy schedule, because Adam Gase and Sam Darnold connected on a 92-yard pass to Robbie Anderson and a number of underneath routes to Jamison Crowder, uh, people were singing their praises all week. What is the little edge there, you think, in that Patriots-Jets game that people aren't seeing? Well, this is a Monday night game. We normally don't talk too much about Monday night games, but um, the Jets' defense has been playing pretty good overall. And if you remember what they did in the first half against the Patriots, this is a team, when because they already played the Patriots, this is a team that's been put in some very difficult predicaments. Luke because Falk of is their quarterback. Luke Falk is yeah. their quarterback. So they're always going three and out. They're always punting the ball. They're always in bad position. They never can give up points. Because, the Eagles scored two defensive touchdowns in their loss. Right. And yeah. so you get these situations where the defense mentally is worn down before the game even starts. They hate their quarterback. They know the game's going to come down to them getting any type of stop. They know it's going to be impossible to get those stops consistently, and they know they're going to lose heading into the game. Here they actually think that they have hope. They got Sam Darnold back his first game off of mono. He played pretty well. Yeah. He obviously is going up against a very difficult New England Patriots defense, but they are playing at home and they are catching 10 points. This is not the game that I would want to be laying the New England Patriots. Just my own personal opinion. If the line was a little bit lower, if, if I couldn't get the 10, I might look to get the Jets in the first half. One reason why, Bill Belichick's halftime adjustments have been mm. phenomenal. Which is where yeah, The you, last thing you want is to have to sweat out the second half with Belichick with 15 minutes to completely figure out Greg Williams. Maybe Greg can shock him in the first half and he adjusts. Yeah, you're right. Why would you bet against the Patriots for a full game? It's hard if if you can get the ten because that's a key, somewhat of a key number. Yeah, you you may want to look that way. But if it's down to nine, we'll see where it gets when you know the, on Friday and Saturday right. and when people go to Injury look at bet this start game. Coming out more. But if this gets down to nine, that's when I might be looking more so at the first half. Now, unfortunately, the first half's not a nice seven; it's a six. Oh. But it's still 
you only, you can get in and out, you know, you dip your toe in the pool. Yeah, like yeah, we yeah. talked about with the New Orleans Saints, Teddy Bridgewater playing up in the, up in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest. Take a shot, buddy. Didn't take the full game, but I felt like we could dip our toe in the water, do okay in that first half, not have to deal with Teddy Bridgewater trying to win This the feels game. like the year of first half for you. I feel like you changed your whole philosophy and said, I'm a first half guy now. Um, some sides I'm doing a little bit more first half, but I've always done totals, uh, first half there have been some years where and i i get your money microanalyze everything and some years i would be doing full game and first half together i'm actually that's like a, a little game, parlay not Can a parlay that? No. not a parlay but i'm doing first half and full game i'm splitting the wager and i might be looking to do that on a game this week every game is unique oh, so every you game might is go different. one side for the first half and then the other side for the full game no no, oh, no i was no, gonna no. say you're a nut job no definitely not doing that because there's why would, I don't know why you would do that, but uh, no, this this is this is like on a total. So oh, if there's good. a total that I wanted to hit first half and full game, and there's enough logical reasoning why I would want to, I think the full game's good. My model likes the full game, but I like the first half a little bit more because of these other factors. Yeah. Then I might want to go and split my wager and put half on the first half and the other half on the full game. I dig it. All right, so we went through uh, and we looked at the 1 o'clock, the 4 o'clock, and of course Sunday Night Football and decided that of the five or six matchups, thank you scheduling people for finally creating some normalcy, uh, Raiders-Packers is maybe the most interesting one. Both teams are over 500. Uh, we'll see what happens. Again, we're recording on Thursday, so we don't know what happened with the, uh, the Chiefs last night. Raiders are kind of still in the NFC West. Packers are an interesting team, and you look at it and you go, the Raiders running offense with Gabe Jackson coming back against this Packers run defense. It's in Lambeau, but it's an interesting matchup. So what jumped out to you right away in this matchup, Warren? It's definitely the rushing edge. It's definitely the rushing edge. That's the first thing for the Oakland Raiders. So that jumped out to you too. That jumped out to me. And then the second thing is just the overall schedule that the Oakland Raiders have played so far this year. I mean, go back and look at who they faced. They have played uh, defenses like the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings, the Denver Broncos, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and then you throw in the Kansas City Chiefs, who are terrible against the run, really good against the pass. Overall, they've played the fourth most difficult schedule of opposing defenses, the number one most difficult schedule of opposing pass defenses. Wow. So Oakland has, you know, they started off 1-0, and then they lost two straight, and they came back. They beat the Colts in a really good spot for them, a really terrible spot for the Colts. And then they went to London and shocked me with the, with the ability for them to get up and jump out to that early lead on the Chicago Bears and then hang on, yeah. come from behind late and win that game outright. That was definitely a surprise for me. Um, so they do have a rushing edge here in this game. If you look at the uh, Green Bay Packers defense, they've played a below average schedule of opposing run offenses and they rank 26th in rushing efficiency. They rank 25th in explosive run rate. They've played the 26th toughest schedule of explosive run defenses. And the biggest offensive line in the NFL is about to come to town. As long as this this is one game okay. where it is absolutely a must, just like I tweeted out about the Detroit Lions game heading into the Monday night football game that Green Bay just played. It is an absolute necessity that Oakland can keep this game close early. If Oakland can keep this game close early, they're going to be able to run the ball in the second half. What Green Bay has thrived on doing through play calling and scheme. Jumping out to a lead in the first half. Script, 
jumping out to those big leads. And then letting Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith attack in the second half. Exactly. And it minimizes the fact that you've got a crappy run defense because the other team has to abandon the run and pass the football, and you've got a good pass defense. But that was what's so interesting about the Raiders and that Bears game was even in their comeback, they stayed true to the run. John Gruden has stayed true to the run with Josh Jacobs. But it was a one-score game. Yeah, true, so true, they true. Were able they weren't to, down they felt, to right. and, and And do you think Aaron Rodgers, because looking at how the Raiders have been against pass defense, that was like the opening I saw for the Packers was. But, but then again, we don't know if we're getting Devontae Adams. We don't, don't know think. if we're getting Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We don't know if we're getting Geronimo Allison. But it does seem like the Packers might have an advantage in that side of the ball. They definitely do. That's the biggest concern I have for backing the Oakland Raiders is the passing offense, and the Oakland Raiders struggle to stop a nosebleed. I mean, the fact that they did pretty good against the Chicago Bears' well, crappy pass, pass yeah. offense does not really make me feel scared. I think they played the Colts when the Colts were without T.Y. Hilton, right? And if you remember back to those games against the Chiefs and the Vikings, they won those games. I mean, the the, the Oakland Raiders lost those games pretty handedly. Yes. And why they lose those handedly? Because the other teams jumped out to early leads. They were forced to abandon their run. Right. They only scored like 10 points one game, 14 the other, but their defense led up 28 points in one and 34 in the other. The games weren't close. They were just throwing the football. And look at who they have offensively. Uh, I think their number one uh, wide receiver, Tyrell Williams, is probably out this week. Mm. So they're going to be relying a lot on tight end Darren Waller. Now, fortunately, the Green Bay Packers, they're an interesting team from a tight end per, uh, perspective. They allow, I believe it's a 63% success rate to tight ends, which is like the fourth worst. It ranks 29th in the league. But in terms of a yards per attempt, they're the third best pass defense against tight ends, allowing only like 6.1 or 6.2 wow. yards per attempt. So it's really strange that you would have a really high success rate. Like you're, you're allowing a lot of successful passes, but a really low yards per play which tells me that teams are like going after their tight ends on like third and short or in more short yardage situations um, and and not targeting their tight ends on the you know the situations where they need a lot more yards to gain. I think uh, one little nugget that we've talked about before to add on, Raiders are coming off of a bye and they're on the road. Remember, that's been a metric that's actually been very good for those teams. One negative in the last 10 years in October, Aaron or the yeah, last thing, Aaron Rodgers is 16 and 0 straight up at home in October, but only 11 and 7 against the spread. Uh, I we talking about the buys. We have a few teams coming off buys. Bills are at home after a buy, which is a little bit scary as we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Colts are home after a buy as well, taking on the Texans. I will note, I looked back last year. Colts after a buy also played at home last year, and they took on the Jaguars, and they really controlled that entire game. But there was a number of issues that they had, but they were able to. They got the push there, and the Bears are a home team after a buy, which makes me like the Saints even more. After what we thought, oh yeah, because I want Mitchell Trubisky coming in like four days before the game, like. That just made me circle the Saints a little bit more. Just saying. Well, so far in this show, we've talked about strength of schedule edges for the Saints. We've talked about EDSR for the Saints. Now we got the bye week trend going for the Saints as well. Uh, the scary part about the Saints, of course, it is probably going to be one of the strongest public sides. And the Bears have a really oh, good defense. Oh, you think that a lot of people are going to bet on the Saints? They I take think the so. points in Chicago against Trubisky. I mean, it's a team that's only lost one game out of six. Right. Uh, a team that went to 
you know, has has been able to win on the road. They just went on the road last week in grass in the hot weather and were still able to win that game against Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars. Now they play the Bears. Yeah. You know, I think I think the public's probably going to be on the Saints this week. Public's not always wrong. No, they're not always wrong. They're not always right. And I'll tell you what, the fact that in the Super Contest, I get the Saints at plus three and a half. Mm -hmm. I get that little half point, which to me is like, oh, oh, give it to me. I love your half points. Okay, four o'clock. The game that we circled are two teams that I feel like you've had your fingers on the pulse of them all year. Ravens at Seahawks. Two teams that historically... This would have been a defensive shootout. Now it's an offensive display. Ravens are 0-4-1 against the spread in their last five games. It's been the Lamar Jackson show. You have said that it might get a little bit harder for, for him. There's one guy coming back that I'm not seeing anyone talk about. Seahawks are getting Jerron Reed back from his six-game suspension. Patrick Peterson's coming back from his six-game suspension. Jerron Reed. Jadavian Clowney is the most double-teamed player in the NFL right now. You can't do that with Jerron Reed. On the, we don't know what his conditioning is going to be. I'm sure he's going to be on the oxygen tank in the third, but Jerron Reed is a big time player, former second round pick. I think he was, but a mauler from Alabama. What I know that you have a Pete Carroll versus running quarterback statistic. That's going to blow my top off. What do we got? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I went back and looked. Obviously, you know, I, I have connections. I'm talking to some people, and some of the guys in Seattle were telling me how Pete Carroll's generally done pretty good against running quarterbacks. So fortunately, I've got a database. Let me look it up. And as it turns out, so what I did is I went back the last few years, not like since 2012 or something, right. but the last handful of years, and looked at what running quarterbacks that he's faced. Um, and so you've got Cam Newton, you've got Deshaun Watson, you've got Tyrod Taylor, you've got Marcus Mariota, you got Blake Bortles, and you got Dak Prescott. Now, for the time being, I'm going to stick Dak Prescott in his own little Box. I'm right. going to wrap it up. Set over here. We'll talk about Dak in a second. He's not always a mobile quarterback. He doesn't run as much as he should. The Dallas Cowboys, it's one of their yeah. flaws. They need to be running Dak a little bit more often. Sure. Such an edge. But at any rate, he's in this box over here. We're looking at the other guys. So I only went back and looked because they play Cam Newton so often. Yeah, like five times. I've, I, well, they played him more than five. I just looked at the last five. Oh, so okay. like the last like four years, the five games that he's played. Yeah. Plus all these other guys have played him once. And lo and behold, I found out that the Seattle Seahawks have won five of the nine games against those guys. However, Seattle is three and six against the spread when they play running quarterbacks. And the most interesting nugget to me about when they're playing these running quarterbacks, because keep in mind who they got, Russell Wilson, is that these games have not gone over at a 60 or a 70 or an 80 or a 90% clip, but a 100% clip. Every single game where they've played one of these running quarterbacks has gone over the posted total. And what what is it? How many games? Nine and zero. Oh. Wow. Nine and zero. Oh. So you can. So it's gone over nine and zero. Oh, and this week they're playing Lamar Jackson, who just ran for over hundred and fifty yards. He's last. more dangerous than all of all those of other them. quarterbacks. All of them. From a rushing perspective, pure rushing perspective. I mean, obviously we know Cam at his peak. Cam was great at throwing the football and could run it yeah. too. Right. Lamar's not to Cam's level of peak. Cam throwing the football. Lamar's not there yet. But Lamar is more dangerous running the football right now than. Probably so this is a trend that you're seeing that's not about sides, it's not about against the spreads, but you're looking at an over-under ratio of 9-0 over when Pete Carroll has played true running quarterback. Yeah, so the Dak Prescott one, okay, when Dak played them three times in the last few years, 
When Dak ran the ball for three or fewer times, both those games went under. When he ran it at least five times, that game went over. So, you wow. know, when Dak. What do, you, what do you think it is about that defense that's just susceptible to it? Do they just allow it to happen? It's, it's just hard. I, I mean, you would that think Pat, that you're Patrick practicing. Patrick Mahomes went over last year, too. You think that you're practicing, yeah, yeah and, and I don't include Patrick Mahomes yeah. in here, but he definitely has some wheels and can get around. When you're practicing against a Russell Wilson, you would think that like you would be dealing with the That's scramble. why I'm confused. But what Russell Wilson tends to do, and I doubt that he runs in practice much, is True. he only runs when he needs to run. You're he right. used he to run more often. He resets up in the pocket, and he looks and he looks, and even when he's about to cross the line, he's still looking to make that throw. Yeah, he does not really want to run the football, and he— I was happy when I saw him the other day because he looked a little bit faster earlier this season and towards the end of last season, he just looked a little bit different to yeah. me running less mobile, maybe banged up with some injuries. And so I think he wants to run the football in more high leverage situations and less frequently. Mm. But um, so he, they probably aren't practicing it quite as much against that. But um, that's the other thing. When you're talking about the Baltimore Ravens, it minimizes the pass rush a little bit because they don't pass the ball a ton. And they're real dangerous when they run the football and they keep those edge rushers at bay with some of the read option type stuff. They will leave a Jadavian Clowney or John Reed unblocked. Mm. We're not even going to block you. I'm happy you're back. We're not going to block <laughs> you. We're just going to make you wrong. Whatever you do, wow. we're going to make you wrong on this read option play. So shoot out this Sunday at four o'clock. There are some other edges to this game. Um, you know, if you look at uh, just the pure metrics, okay, let me just give you a few of the most yeah. pure metrics here. These are two top 12 early down success rate offenses against two bottom three early down success wow. rate defenses. You might not think that the Ravens have a bottom three EDSR defense, but they do. You might not think that the Seattle Seahawks have a bottom three EDSR defense, but they do. This is two top five red zone offenses against two average red zone defenses. Yeah. This is two top four overall offenses versus two below average overall defenses. This is two top nine explosive passing offenses against two below average explosive passing defenses. This is two top three running back passing offenses versus the number 11 and the number 31 running back pass defense. The Baltimore Ravens are terrible defending running back passes. They rank second worst in the NFL. Drop this mic. Thank you. Holy shit. That felt like an eight-mile freestyle right there. <laughs> but they do. <laughs> you think they're not, but they do. All right. I'm gonna hit two, my... Let me give you two final nuggets Holy on this game. Holy shit. You got more nuggets? Two Let's final go. nuggets. When an opponent scores over 17 points, the Baltimore Ravens have gone 8-2 and two to the over the last two years, including 7-0 and oh to the over when Lamar Jackson is the quarterback. Okay. A, a nugget for the Seahawks. In their last 15 games, the Seahawks are 12-3 and three to the over. Their only games under the total have been versus the inept Cardinals offense in Week 4, the inept Bengals offense in Week 1, and the Vikings offense on Monday Night Football Week 14 of 2018. So you don't think that these teams oh are like over teams, right? There, there are some things like they're the any, most over teams in the sport. It sounds like any time that you're handicapping a game, you and this is for the people who are learning about this yes, with yes. us. You can't just look at the positives. You have to look at some of the negatives. There is some rain potentially in this forecast. Fortunately, the winds are not too bad, but there is some rain. You also have a kicking. You're the fucking best. Bro. You also have a kicking issue with the Seattle Seahawks. Their field goal kicker yes. is not super reliable right now. So that is an issue. But the Ravens is the most reliable. The Ravens is great, although he totally cost me one time when he missed an extra point against the, the Saints. Saints last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just brutal because the was. guy, the, the announcer's like, he has never missed an extra point. 
point in his career, and then he shanks it. Uh, um, so that was terrible. But kind of look like Justin Tucker a little bit. Little bit. I definitely cannot sing like Justin Tucker. Do not put me up there trying to sing a song because Tucker is I the man. I was going to ask you to sing, Good. You know me. You know <laughs> All right. Sunday night football, Eagles-Cowboys, little note, Cowboys are 7-1 and one straight up in their last eight games at home. Uh, it is in Dallas on Sunday night. Cowboys are 4-0 and against the Eagles with Zeke, 0-2 without him. Obviously, he's playing. Uh, Eagles have held their opponents, a uh, primary rusher, to 30.1 rushing yards per game. Uh, I want to see if there's any other notes that I have here that I want to get in. Uh, the Cowboys have beaten the Eagles three straight, but all three have been less than seven points. And the Eagles, how about this? In their last seven games as a road underdog, have won five of them outright. They love being an underdog. Where do you want to start and finish with this game, just from an analytics perspective? Well, what jumped out to you. What jumped out to me the most was what Philly has done in Dallas recently. Okay, because both of these teams are in must-win situations. I mean, Barry. this game is going to be so dope. It's going to have the feel uh-huh. of, like, a ch- conference championship game. Like, it's not the Super Bowl, but it's you You got two teams from the same conference, and only one of them is going to get to go. Both 3-3. Three and three. Cowboys are coming off three straight losses. Jason Garrett is being questioned. Doug Peterson in his Monday radio show says, we're going to win. I went and looked at the Dallas Cowboys reaction. They're already pissed. We'll see you on the field. That's easy to see from a press conference. This is going to be a monstrous occasion. I I want all the 33%, everybody that is listening to this podcast on your phone, everybody that's watching this on YouTube, make an appointment on your couch, 8.20 p.m. Eastern (laughs) time, Sunday night. This game is going to be epic. I truly believe this game is going to be superb. And But the interesting thing is, Philadelphia Eagles, they've played obviously once a year in Dallas. They've gone three and two straight up in Dallas in the last five games. Their two losses both went to overtime. This Eagles team could be five and zero in Dallas the last five years. Wow! And oh, we they know like really last well year down there. Last year they took away that opening kickoff fumble from us. We'll never forget it. The, last year there were two debacles in the game, yes. and there's no other way to put it but a total debacle. The first debacle occurred on a muffed kick where. Five Eagles jumped on the ball. Jordan Lewis fumbled the ball. Camus uh, Grugier-Hill came out of the pile with it. There was only five Eagles in the pile, and they said it was inconclusive evidence of that they uh, they came out with the ball. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. We, we didn't have an immediate recovery. Immediate recovery, and the guy showed the football. Meanwhile, the only guys in the pile were the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, it's physically impossible it. for that to to, but, to but not go the Eagles' three way. And but two it did. and the two losses in overtime. And then the second debacle was the big boy, Dallas Goddard. Yeah, catches a seventy-five-yard touchdown. Oh yeah, the length of the field. Yeah, scores, and they call it back due to offensive pass interference because as he was running past a slow safety, <laughs> the the two uh, face masks on their helmet collided a little bit, and so the guy's face mask went just like that, yeah. and they called an offensive pass interference on that and wiped off a 75-yard touchdown. That game, despite those two things, which one of them would have given the Eagles the ball like at the 25 or 30-yard right. line of Dallas, the other one was actually seven points. Despite that, the game goes to overtime. Dallas ends up scoring a touchdown and winning. So yeah. this game, I mean, there are definitely some interesting matchups, but the biggest thing to me is not the matchups. The biggest thing to me is the injury 
injury issues that the Dallas Cowboys currently are dealing with right now. And I need to see what this Thursday injury report Agreed. is telling me. Because if they, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins are out again. And, and I'm hearing from some of the reporters down yeah. there with good connections that both of their starting tackles, Lyle uh, Collins and Tyron Smith, are both out this week. Wow. Okay. And. We don't Amari know yet Cooper, about Amari super Cooper. Banged up. Yeah. He bruised his calf, but was supposedly in extreme physical pain after that game last week in New York. He obviously left the game. Whether he's back, I mean, the good thing is it's just a calf, but you're a wide receiver. You obviously need to use your calf muscle. Um, and so there's questions as to whether or not he's going to play. He did not practice on Wednesday. And in addition, well, let's first talk about those injuries, right? Yes. Those are the offensive injuries for the Dallas Cowboys. And what is the weakness of your Eagles defense. The key the weakness secondary. is the secondary, it's is the, the pass defense. Yeah. You've got injuries there. You're hopefully getting some guys that are going to be coming back, but I don't think they're back yet. And you can pass the ball on these guys. Look at what the Minnesota Vikings did. That's why I knew last week, uh, we mentioned on your show, that it was difficult for me to view the Philadelphia Eagles week six going up to Minnesota and winning that game. I said, if this game was played in week 15, I might be able to see it. I think they right. could. But in week six this week, with the injuries in their secondary, I felt like it wasn't a good spot for the Eagles. And what did Minnesota do? They didn't run the ball particularly well because no. the Cowboy, the Eagles have a very good run defense. Dalvin Cook didn't have a good day. But I knew the play-action game was going to eat up that secondary, and of course it did. So what happens here when the Dallas Cowboys do not have both their tackles to pass protect for Dak mm. and don't have their number one wide receiver? You can't take advantage of the issue with the Philadelphia Eagles secondary nearly as much. What else is another layer to talk about with the passing matchup is that the Dallas Cowboys have stopped running play action. They've halved, halved, <laughs> not have, H-A-V-E, but half H-A-L-V-E-D, yep. They've halved their usage of play action for whatever reason from the first three weeks to the last three weeks. They aren't wow. using play action nearly as much. That's going to hurt their ability to attack that secondary. What is your thought? We were praising uh, the offensive coordinator for Kellen three Moore. weeks. Where do you think he stands now? I think that something interesting is going on there. I think do that you there's think he's a got little people bit over of his shoulder right now? meddling. We do this a lot of times where we go, oh, the offense wasn't great under Jason Garrett or it wasn't great under what the what's his name? Uh, the guy that used to be the Rams head coach and now he's been the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. What's his name? Um, not the current. Yeah. What did he used to be? No, not to, you're not talking about Kellen Moore. You're talking about the old the Who was the guy, guy before Kellen Moore? Um, Shit. It's slipping my mind. Or whatever, but you, how do we know if someone's meddling or if Kellen Moore's just getting tight and calling bad plays? To me, it doesn't matter because I care about what's going to happen here, and so I played out both scenarios in my mind. Okay, the first scenario is that Jason Garrett, for whatever reason, after the first three weeks went well, started to meddle and he wanted things done a little bit differently, and so Kellen Moore's calling stuff the way that Jason Garrett wants it done. What ends up happening in this game? Do you think Jason Garrett's all of a sudden just going to say, well, my involvement here was a real disaster, so you just take over. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. I really doubt that Jason Garrett would do that. I think the same pattern would continue. That's scenario one. Jason Garrett was meddling. Scenario two is Jason Garrett wasn't meddling. Mm. And yet the first three weeks are good. The last three weeks weren't good. What do you think's going to happen? 
Jason Garrett is going to start meddling, Mm. right? If Jason Garrett hasn't been, he's going to start getting involved. So in either case, whether Jason Garrett was involved or was not involved previously, I think he's probably going to be involved. And that is a bad thing for the Dallas Cowboys. I think so, too. All right. You've given more information than I think our brains can handle. I think the strength of schedule stuff was awesome. EDSR matchups have been great. The three games you just did here, I've listened to you. I've kind of narrowed it down to about eight teams that I've circled that I'm thinking for my super contest sides. Uh, It's not often that I like the Eagles. I don't like betting them a lot, but plus two and a half, and the rant you just went on has me excited. Plus three. You're not getting three? In the super contest, I'm looking at it right here. It's fucking down to two and a half. You mean that's the line they published? So they must yeah. have known that we were trending in this direction. Uh, Is that upsetting? Is that something that like... I mean, I want the three. I know that they have good success down in Dallas, but uh, not getting... Is that half three. a point enough to scare me away from it? It should lower it from a definitely on your card mm. to let me put it in the maybe goes on the card. Wow. Okay. That's fair. Uh, I have starred, and this was my number one heading into this, was Jaguars minus three and a half at Bengals. Like, all the things that you're telling me right now are lining up. I don't like the half a point that I have to deal with, but I have a lot of heart for Gardner Minshew in the matchups that he's faced previously, and now the Bengals. Yeah, we talked about that one, how it's going to be a much easier schedule for him and how difficult he's Also, let me just say this. Darquez Denard is supposedly coming off PUP. We have no idea who he's going to be, but they just lost William Jackson for a few weeks mm-hmm. at corner. They just lost Drake Kirkpatrick. Their other options right now are Tony McRae and Tory McTire, two journeyman cornerbacks that, again, and they just lost. Uh, Sean Williams has a swelling issue, one of their safeties. So we just talked about Minshew having to face the Broncos, the Panthers, the Saints. Now they're facing the 29th adjusted sack rate Bengals plus an absolutely destroyed defensive backfield. I like the Jaguars. Another one I circled, the Niners minus nine and a half, the revenge game, all that stuff. I know it's a big line. I don't think it's that big. I really don't. I think they can handle it. Tory McTire? Yes. That's that's a real That's a real guy. I looked Sounds it like up. Tony the Tiger from uh, Frosted Flakes. Tory yeah, McTire. Tory McTire. Uh, the other one, I guess I had the Eagles. Now I have to think about it with the half point. I do like the Raiders plus four and a half. That line was Green Bay minus seven and a half. It's down to four and a half. But with Oakland off the bye and how I think they're going to come out there and the, 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 the Packers on a short week off Monday Night Football, I, it's a number that I still like. Uh, and I'm, I'm willing to take the risk that Aaron Rodgers doesn't jump out to an early lead in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm playing game flow there. Mm-hmm. The other ones that I had, I know it's a public bet. Saints plus three and a half, that extra half a point. I kind of like it a lot. And my three maybes is Seattle minus three. It's a shootout. And I'd rather trust the Saints, the Seahawks in a shootout at home than the Lamar Jackson team on the road in a shootout. The Giants, because of your EDSR rankings. But again, that's another shootout where I'm hoping that the home team has the advantage there. And the other one is Indy minus one. Indy minus one against Houston. Uh, It's a game that it's going to be very even. But I, I tried to go against Houston last week. I think this is where Frank Reich has really owned Bill O'Brien in recent years. And that's been with Jacoby Brissett or with Andrew Luck. And I know that Indy's coming off a bye and they're at home, but this is Frank Reich. And I trust good coaches off of bye. And I, I take advantage of bad coaches off of bye, if that makes any sense. 
it does make sense. You what you I know that Frank Wright came out and told his players that mentally we want you guys checked into this week. We don't want you checked out. No traveling. And I forgot I forgot to say this. Darius Leonard is back. Yep. Clayton Hilton. Clayton Gathers. T.Y. Hilton. Hold on. I need to find this because it was I had so many stats on this game. Darius Leonard, Caden Gathers is back. Malik Hooker, there's a chance he can yes. play. Jabal Sheard got back before the bye, their best pass rusher. Texans just lost Bradley Roby and offensive lineman Titus Howard. Jonathan Jothas has a hamstring issue. Indianapolis right now is fourth in adjusted sack rate. Houston is 25th. So Indy's going to be able to protect their quarterback Houston, not so much. Also, since the Saints opener, Houston has had slow starts. They started down 17-7 at the Chargers. They started down, this is on the road, down 17-3 at the Chiefs. If they start down to the Colts, it's the Marlon Mack show who just had a bye week to get healthy on that ankle. T.Y. Hilton, last six games against Houston. Five for 85, nine for 199, four for 115, three for 14, five for 172 and two touchdowns, nine for 115 and one touchdown. T.Y. Hilton eats against Romeo Cronell. He owns, he eats. owns him. He DeAndre owns him. Hawkins. He's got the deed to Romeo Cronell. To his body, his soul, and his spirit. DeAndre Hawkins' last two games against Indy, five for 37. Four for 36 and a touchdown. And Matt Eberflus's, this is from Silva, cover two defense, limits deep passing, and that limits Will Fuller. I like the Colts a lot in this game. I really do. That, like, I started looking up numbers and I was like, correlation, causation, give them all to me. So I like that one a lot. Yeah, and the Colts, look, they've had a very tough defensive schedule. They rank 28th in efficiency, not very good, but they've played the seventh toughest schedule of opposing mm, offenses. Darn it. Uh, they've, they've faced a very difficult schedule from that perspective. All right, let's call crack because we got to get Warren to run out of here and do his train really quick. So we're going to make this quick. Uh, you just had so much good fucking information today, bro. It's a jacket, baby. It is. Do you have a name for that jacket? Excalibur? <laughs> when I put it on, I assume the powers of the Jaqueta. Uh, what do you think of the, of the card overall as we wait for crack? Is it a card that you think is juicy? I like it better than I've liked the last couple of cards. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I've got a few games that I've already jumped on. There's a few more to come. I feel like you've hinted at a few of them today already. I'm, we're trying to help the guys yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Old cracky poos. Hello, you've called Movie Phone. Congratulations, but there's one movie you didn't get to see this year. Are you interested in free tickets to Joker on Saturday at 7.30? That sounds like a scene from Seinfeld. Damn it. Yeah. What up, Crack? Hey, what's going on? How you doing, Love brother? That. Cosmo Kramer. All right, so uh, Crack, I'm going to give you the floor yeah. right I'm going to give you the floor right away here, my man. Crack wins. Uh what are yeah. some games that you've circled for the good people of the 33%? I will let you go first. You know, um, I, I haven't talked to Warren about anything this week, but I'll tell you, uh, I just don't see the Dolphins getting 17 points from Buffalo. I don't know if, I don't know if Buffalo could score 17. I know they I, – I mean, I shouldn't say that. They're, they're, they're a much improved team this year. But, you know, the, the Dolphins have been getting a lot of points from a lot of good teams around this – many points, 17 points, 21 points from some really good teams. And uh, just to see them get 
17 from Buffalo just doesn't look right on paper to me. So I, I may be going with the, with the Miami. These aren't final selections yet. No, 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 of um, course. So from, an, from an official standpoint of the better of the line, because you get a better line by you know, picking in the contest rather than betting at the window, uh, Minnesota minus one. Mm. Minnesota minus one is a, is a very good uh, a very good line over Detroit. But yet Detroit's a, a tougher team this year. Uh, probably should have won the other day against uh, Green Bay. Um, division games usually do favor the home team, though. So I'm I'm still looking into that pretty much. Um, I'm looking at uh, going against the public here. I, I think people just think that San Fran's like the greatest team and one of the greatest teams in football. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of points. Everyone's going to be on San Fran and maybe looking to Washington a little bit, uh, going down the schedule. Uh, Seattle, maybe over Baltimore. Uh, I think Baltimore's defense can, can be given up some points here. I think, I think Seattle you know, might be a good, a good side of the game there. I'm not, uh, the, the three also is a, is a good line minus three. Yeah, definitely because that was at three and a half. Gonna, okay, finally get down to the, uh, the Eagles, which Peterson said <laughs> publicly he's going into Dallas to win. Uh, so again, Cooper may be out over there. The, the the players are kind of revolting over there in Dallas, too, like walking by the coach, not even like acknowledging him. So yeah, I uh, might be a little bit of up in arms uh, uh, with, with the Cowboys. So kind of like looking at that. I haven't made no official plays, and uh, you know, so what are you looking at? So I'll tell you what, I definitely am am looking at Philadelphia. I wish it was at three and not two and a half. Uh, Seattle has definitely caught my attention. I just went on an epic rant about why I love Indy minus one. Uh, I just, it's, it's just sticking out to me. Um, and I, I guess I am the public that is as feeling the 49ers and the nine and a half crack. It's, it's a little right. bit of the Kyle Shanahan revenge game. It's a little bit of uh, Washington being obsessed with running the ball and the Niners run defense being so darn good. So I, I kind of feel like Washington's about to enter the wood chipper. Uh, and then the Jaguars at minus three and a half is a team that I go, maybe we're underestimating the defenses that Gardner Minshew's face the last few weeks, and now he gets the Bengals, and it might be the DJ Chark show on Sunday. No team has cost me more money in the NFL this year than Jacksonville. <laughs> I just Jacksonville just has, has, has just cost me so much money this year on parlay cards and, and and just even betting them straight up, which I really don't like to bet a lot of games straight up. I thought well, it's because you bet against really the, good you bet against the Saints last week, and the Saints have been yes. the sharp killer this season. The Saints have been, yes, uh, versus Tampa the week before they got me through. Um, going back, let's go back to your to your pick on uh, on the uh, San Fran Washington game. You know, I'm probably not going to play it now, just based on if you go with Washington, uh, San Fran, I'll probably just root for you because I, I, I don't want to go against you. But not, but not only that, if this is a it's a Sunday contest. Anything can happen in these games. Oh, yeah. I just looked at earlier in the season. You know, would this game have been a nine and a half point line? And um, it definitely wouldn't have. But then again, yeah, what was it earlier in the uh, year? Warren has a future against Washington under yeah, season under, wins too, under so. six and a half. We almost took the Washington Redskins as the team to win the fewest games, but we knew that the Dolphins were just going to be so bad that we didn't. But we definitely took uh, under six and a half. Yeah. Warren, didn't we also take San Fran to to win maybe the division or something? Like yep, the, we, the play? We, did took, we, did we take that. Too? Yeah, they were they were. 
predicted to be third place in that division. We took them over wins, and then we also put a little bit on them to win the division. That's a juicy and I'll one. Go back to, I'll go back to uh, the Indianapolis Colts game. Wow. You, I think you've done well on the Colts this year, if, I, if my mind sets me right. And I, I, I think that that's a good so – the, the, the Colts had off last week, right? They had a bye they week? They did. Yep. They did. This is this is a good spot for them. I I may I may join you on that Colts side uh, after Houston going into Kansas oh, City yeah. playing a tough game, and I, I I may join you on that. So yeah, we got some good stuff circled on the card this week, and yeah. uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get there. All right, so I'm gonna I'll text you again tomorrow night. You guys text me at like yep. five and go, hey asshole, don't forget to text us, and then I'll text you. It'll be great. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, no problem at all. We'll, 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 we'll get this done for you. And uh, I'm actually flying into Philly, but I got oh. my buddy here to put, put, to put these in, so it's no problem. Nice. I'm flying into the for the ESPN fights um, tomorrow. But anyway, good. Yeah, sounds good. I look forward to it. Look forward to talking to you guys next week again. You're the man, Crack. Thanks again, dude. You're the best proxy in the world. Thanks, guys. Safe travels, Crack. See you, man. Uh, and as always, uh, you can download the Crack Wins app. I know he gives out a free pick every week. He kind of breaks it down. And Crack looks at it more like, where are the lines the most juicy? He, he loves to follow movement. And then from that movement, he's just one of those insanely educated betters where he sees movement. He takes advantage of movement. Smart. Uh, but, you know, you're the, uh, you're the king of the castle, Warren. The king of the castle has got a little bit of a thing for the 33% this week. What do you think? Sharp 33. Hold on. Um, Time out. You know what I'm going to do it. 33% off. Really? You, you got on me for the other week, like not doing enough. So 33% off this week. Wait. So if uh, uh, the listener goes to your website and does sharp 33, they get 33% off. Yep. Damn. Guys, he didn't even tell me you were going to do that. You didn't tell me you were going to do that. No, I didn't. But And I appreciate you, bro. They appreciate you. We all appreciate you. Um, and I, man, this is still like my favorite thing to do every week. I'm just, I'm learning a lot and I'm learning how not to be a square. And I appreciate it. Um, you brought some, you brought some heat too. So, well, Ingber gave me a little information and then I, I had a, a few daddy cigars last night and I just sat on my bed till about two 30 in the morning and just looked up statistics. Talking to yourself in a movie phone voice. No, I, <laughs> All right, it's time. Okay, let's play that music. Uh, 33% you guys are the shit. Uh, follow Sharp Football. Check out Sharp Football Analytics. Sharp 33, you get 33% off. And I'm just telling you that I feel a lot safer when I go on a Sharp Football Analytics and I see that Warren and I are on the same side. I feel a lot more confident with my bets. For Warren Sharp, I'm the LEFKOE man. We will holler at you next week.